My name is Dan Flanagan and we're here at uh, Ratio 3 Gallery for Summer Selections. It's a selection of the work of Margaret Kilgallen. Um, I met Margaret around 1990. We worked together at the San Francisco Public Library restoring and repairing books. And I had just started at, at San Francisco Public Library. It had been less than a year. Um, and I had been involved in bookbinding and printing for the previous six years. So um, we had that in common. Uh, love of letter forms and printing, uh, typefaces and that sort of thing. And, uh, but she wanted to know about bookbinding. And she began volunteering at the preservation de uh, department at San Francisco Public when it was still the old library. And uh, she applied for a job as a, what we'd call a tech or a page. And probably, you know, by that time we were seeing each other very regularly, almost every day. Shortly after, maybe within the same year, uh, they were beginning to build the new library. And uh, shortly after that, uh, they were looking for artists to do public art pieces in the new building. And they had, uh, there was a proposal done by an old friend of mine, Anne Hamilton, and she, she and Anne Chamberlain were going to do this big project with card catalog cards. And they, she also wanted, you know, any candidates for assistance. And so I instantly said Margaret. Uh, there were large swaths of time where Margaret ran that project. And she's cited that already, I think, even in print as being, you know, seminal in learning you know, what it's like to be a professional artist and how much work is involved in a large public project. And, and so that's, uh, that's when I realized around that time that, you know, that she was a serious artist. Um, she was already, she was a secret artist keeping it from me for a while. You know, she wanted me to think that she was going to be a book conservator, you know, a career book conservator. And so I was a little betrayed when she finally told me, and she did. Um, she came, she said, you know, Dan, I'm, I want to be an artist. That should have been a bad thing, but it turned out that it didn't diminish her interest in doing the work that I was teaching her. I mean, half of the stuff in here is from books that we took apart. I saved a lot of those for her. Those are all book end sheets. Yeah, I saved boxes of them after she quit working at the library as well. And she used those from the very beginning. Um, I remember uh, she had a show, I think it was her first sort of important show, it was a group show at the Art Institute. I had been showing her how to repair paper and I did this kind of repair using handmade paper where it puckered the paper in this weird way and she just really liked that and, and she said, can I have that? And she put that original piece in the show at the Art Institute when, and, and I went to the opening and I went, oh. So yeah, the book thing was, from the very beginning, very, very much part of it. And also inextricably wo interwoven with the lettering. And there's not a lot of that in this show, I don't think. Um, but that was even more important to her, I think, than, you know, I mean, her art went off into very many different directions, but when she decided I'm gonna be an artist, she was doing a lot with, with letters. And, uh, and I think that was part of her graffiti work and her mural work. A lot of these single trees 
The way that the bottoms of the trees come down, and it doesn't look like a normal tree. What it does look like is the bottom serifs of a letter. Uh, and uh, she did that in a lot of things. She was interested really in the letter forms, and she did, and she was interested a bit. Uh, some of her very early stuff is d taken directly from like Merovingian manuscripts, you know, from the medieval period and uh, when there weren't a lot of fancy illuminations and uh, there might be initial letters that had a little color. But she quickly moved on to 19th century poster type type of things and sign she got very interested in sign writing and what I always called vernacular typography which is you know unschooled uh, by necessity and she got really interested in that. She's uh, and you know she started whenever she could, you know, taking on jobs where she could make a sign for somebody. And, uh, and she got very good at it. And she had her, you know, it was a pastiche of a different period. And actually what she was kind of doing was larger, uh, was uh, what would have been done in posters that were printed, really, with using wooden type. Um, but she was drawing and painting these letters. When I was speaking to her about these sorts of things, we were looking at uh, Japanese woodblock prints and paintings. Uh, we, we looked at Hokusai and a few other of the, you know, the obvious giants. Um, uh, I, I had a book that, that showed that before these woodblock prints were made, they were just drawn very quickly with the brush by the artist and then they cut by someone else in, in the wood. And those, she, she really was interested in those, where drape, uh, clothing and, and drapery were done with, with just very quick brush strokes. And calligraphy in, in Asia, and in Japan and China particularly, painting a tree or a person with a brush or making letters, there's pretty indistinguishable in terms of value. And, and, the, and the same skill in holding the brush obtained on both sides of that fence. I think Margaret was interested in the fact that there wasn't a difference in some cultures. And then that shows in a lot of things, not necessarily here, but in her larger pieces, where she really mixed up the letters and the figures and, and they weren't necessarily needed, like in this piece here, didn't need to say anything. She did some, you know, a lot of graffiti work that could be classified as mural work, some small murals. But she never did any, I don't remember her ever doing a big uh, completed works outdoors, like she did indoors. There's a famous one, um, she used the word slaughter, uh, separate from Matoki, just all by itself, and she did that outdoors, and she did it at Gallery 16. Her color use was dictated by what was available to a certain extent, but I'm not going to say that it was, it was never random. From what I know of Margaret, everything was very specifically chosen. You, you know, a lot of Margaret's work, you'll see these, you know, worn out places. You know, she went over that with sandpaper to make it that way. And there was a certain aesthetic, you know, which I think sometimes gets called wabi-sabi, in, in Japanese uh, craft work and in art and in just observation. It's a whole way of looking at things which is sort of weathered or withered 
and showing, you know, uh, evidence of handling. You know, and she really valued things that, that had that actual age, and she would save them and use them. And then she would also, you know, work on stuff to make it look, you know, like it had weathered a bit. I've always had an interest in art and art history, you know, and so I have had, you know, very, probably pretty conservative views on, you know, what's art and what's not art. You know, my experience of graffiti was by people who really weren't trying to do anything but just make graffiti. And uh, so, um, when I saw her installation work, which included a large figure, words on the wall, the walls were covered, and then, you know, these small clusters of pieces like these, um, I was just kind of blown away. I didn't, I didn't know how to think about it. And I would think things like, oh my God, why would you paint on the walls? It's just going to get painted over. You know, I've, I'm much better now. I don't, I don't think those things anymore. <laughs> I learned a lot about art from Margaret. I started our, rela our relationship started as me being her teacher and it, it changed um, to where she was showing me things that I wasn't aware of, you know, and it became an interplay where, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, art, art history, what is art, um, history of books and all kinds of things. And, and I ended up kind of being her assistant on a couple of projects that she was involved with. I see her influence everywhere, and not just in, in other artists' work, but more about her. Girls like her, you know, um, and try to emulate her in, in lots of other ways. And I'm talking about appearance and attitude, and she wasn't interested in feminism particularly. She was beyond feminism, I think, and, uh, and very empowered, uh, you know, and not willing to maybe put up with everything that a woman may have to put up with to overcome all of the difficulties of climbing the ladder of a career. She just did it instead. She had a certain morality that was very admirable. She was very idealistic, um, which I'm not. So we, had, we didn't have that in common. And so we were constantly bumping up against that in our discussions. Um, I think she really thought, you know, that she could make, you know, just all those little things make the world a better place. She really believed that, I think. You know, and uh, you know, she was always leaving half her sandwich out for you know, whoever might want it and things like that. And I would tell her, it's just going to fall off and they're just, you know, the birds are going to eat it, you know. She would do it anyway. <laughs>